Welcome to the Fishers of Men podcast, brought to you by us at So Much Media. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. I'm Laura Samara Sands. This podcast is about relationships and your walk with Jesus. It's about the true stories of Christian men and women's struggles with chastity, sex, marriage, and relationships in a post-Christian culture. another episode of the Fishers of Men podcast. We're here today with Jennifer Dornbush. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you for having me. So would you like to just introduce yourself to our audience? Uh, Sure. I live in Los Angeles where I'm um, a full-time screenwriter, author, speaker, and forensic specialist. Mm -hmm. And gosh, I've been here 10 years and I've been married 22 years. To the same man, which is like, you know, probably five marriages in Hollywood terms. Right. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> for, let's see, we're, we're both Catholic now. We've been Catholic about eight years, but before that we were Protestant and we grew up in very Protestant homes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of our background, my background. Great. Awesome. Thank you. And um, so the reason why we particularly wanted to talk to you, other than the fact that you're awesome, is <laughs> that uh, I know that you have struggled with infertility. And I uh, feel like from my friends that have this struggle, um, they've expressed a lot of dissatisfaction with the way that it's talked about and dealt with in church and feeling isolated mm-hmm. and and also having it be kind of a test of faith and nobody really being able to say the right thing. And so I would just really like to hear your story about that. Sure. Yeah. It's funny because we, uh, we actually started trying when we were like 28, 29, we had been married a few years. Mm. And before, before that, we had been introduced to natural family planning, which we were practicing, which is kind of a miracle in itself because we were Protestant and that was mm-hmm. not being taught in the Protestant mm. church mm-hmm. at all. Oh, do you want to recap um, kind of what it is for those that might for not For our know. Protestant audiences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm like an evangelist for it now. But um, <laughs> basically, you're using. I was having major problems with birth control, and then just not feeling well. And I mm-hmm. kind of reached out to my aunt and uncle. They're both nurses and Catholics, and they introduced me. They're like, "Oh, you know, there's another way." And I'm like, "What do you mean there's another way?" And plus, I'm like a real organic green kind of person. Like before, it was even cool and in vogue. Right. And um. <laughs> I was like, there's got, like, I don't like putting these chemicals in my body. There's got to be another way. And they're like, let us introduce you to this, this, um, this, um, it's called, well, I learned through the symptothermal method, which basically you're just tracking your ovulation and your cervical mucus to find out when are you fertile, when are you not fertile. And then you plan your intercourse around those times, whether you are trying to have whether you're trying to conceive or not conceive. So it's really just working naturally with your body's natural rhythm. Mm. So that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. And just a shout out for Couple to Couple League, because that's where we actually learned. We took classes through Couple to Couple League. And um, they do in-person classes, but I think they might also have online classes. And their resources are phenomenal mm. if, you're in, if anybody's interested in kind of diving into this world of, um, kind of green sex. 
<laughs> Not to be confused with Martian sex. <laughs> right. Right. But also, I didn't realize... Um, so I got really convicted because I also didn't realize at the time that um, contraceptives, or especially oral contraceptives, were abortifacients. Mm-hmm. I always say that wrong. Yeah. Um, can cause abortions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that kind of, once I learned that, it kind of blew me away because yeah. I am very pro-life and we yeah. both both of our families and, and my husband and I. And so I was like, what if I'm like killing babies? What if mm. I'm like killing my own babies? This is horrible. Mm-hmm. So that actually was a pretty strong factor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were also introduced to a couple documents of the church, the Catholic church. Again, even we weren't Catholic, but my aunt gave me a Humana Vitae mm-hmm. to, to read. And I remember reading this document. We were living in Chicago at the time and we would drive home to Michigan a lot on weekends. And I would, I would read it out loud to my husband and I just was so convicted by the Holy Spirit. Um, this document was just pivotal for us in just changing our minds about how we thought about our fertility and our sexuality and human dignity and sanctity of life. Right. And it was kind of, and just really came down to the question of God asking us, "Are you going to trust me with your fertility or not?" Wow. And I couldn't answer anything but yes, mm. because if I say no, I'm a hypocrite. I'm, right. Because if I say no, I'm saying I trust you with every other portion of my life, but not this one, not sex, not my, not my procreative life. I don't really trust you with that, God. Yeah. Sorry. So that's kind of what, how it started for us. And then, interestingly enough, that question came back to us in a rather different way when we started struggling years later to have a baby. Mm. Then God said again, are you going to trust me with your fertility or not? Mm. So, um, yeah, (laughs) so that was the (laughs) the beginning of the journey. Yeah, so um, how long would you say since you've been trying to have a baby? It's been 15, I think, going on 16 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So now it's really just the point where it's like, God, I'm going to need a Virgin Mary miracle. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to need a St. Anne, St. Elizabeth miracle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's let's back up. I'm like that old Sarah and Abraham. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. I, I would like to back it up. So you got married in your 20s and you had been mm-hmm. trying to not get pregnant for a little bit. And then once you started right. wanting to finally decide that you wanted to have children, what was that process like of like there was probably this spike of excitement like, yay, we're going to try to fire family. And then I don't know, a year or two or however long. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that That period of the journey in which you were trying and then figuring out like oh man maybe we need to go see a specialist or, mm-hmm. or what what or did maybe that... there's something not right here yeah like what how yeah. did you approach that yeah exactly that was a really hard from the beginning honestly because mm. we just made the decision okay we're gonna start and honestly like I've never been one of these like super baby crazy people like oh you know um 
but we we knew we wanted to have a family and so we you know there was excitement and a little bit of trepidation and you know it's like oh my gosh our whole world's gonna change and yeah probably just a normal slew of reactions and then I remember a couple months after we started trying my sister-in-law got pregnant and I didn't even know they were trying and she's a couple years younger than me Mm. and I just remember being devastated Mm. because I was like oh my gosh you know why is it, it but why isn't it happening for us because again mm-hmm. in natural family planning mm-hmm. you you know your body so well you're like well we're timing this perfectly like it should be happening yeah and then you know their whole her whole pregnancy came and went and then so that's almost a you know close well, to a yeah. year yeah and still we're not and we're not and more and more of my friends and family started getting pregnant and it just was it was a very devastating time. It was very emotional. And then we, of course, started to look, you know, reach out to doctors and try to figure out what was happening, and we just couldn't get answers. And that was even more frustrating because it wasn't, at the end of the day, and this is the struggle we went on and on for for a decade or more, mm. We there was nothing nothing you know they say like 50 percent of the time it's a female problem 50 percent of the time it's a male problem and Mm. then there's also percentage where there's you don't know what the problem is um that's frustrating percentage of the population where it's it's unexplained infertility and you fall in that category yeah we don't and even the things they did find we would do the treatment and again you know we my husband had to have a little bit of a surgery one time that didn't work we did and you know we we can get into this later why we didn't go down the road of um, Mm -hmm. artificial insemination or in vitro again going back to that question of are you going to trust me with your fertility yeah we just nobody could figure it out we did tests on me we we saw I don't even know how many doctors over the course of 10 years natural paths we did major detoxing of our bodies and our homes home to really weed out any potential like toxic chemicals heavy metals i mean literally like we just tried everything wow and just it acupuncture i mean it just goes on and on Mm. it just was kind of unexplained at the end of the day Gosh, after a decade of that and just every month, you know, I I had a friend that struggled with this a little bit and, you know, she would, she would say like every time I I got my period, I would just start crying and I like for 10 years, just trying and then figure every possible cause and trying every little thing that anyone suggests. And that could get so frustrating and devastating. I totally resonate with her journey because we did the same thing. And every little thing is like, don't have caffeine. Don't do, don't right. have this. Don't do mm-hmm. that. And then pretty soon you're living your life in such a, a miserable vacuum. Right. But you're like, <laughs> I don't even enjoy it. I just want a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And meanwhile, there are um, people that are like on meth that are getting pregnant. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was, you know, and that's the thing when you talk, you were talking about like kind of how the church or how communities deal with it or say there is like I remember one gal saying to me or no it was her husband actually saying just in conversation like yeah like we we barely even look at each other and we get pregnant and Uh, I'm like that's not helpful yeah (laughs) yeah 
did they say this knowingly, uh, like that you were in the audience, that you were you were having these issues, or just... or was it just an off the cuff kind of? Yeah. No, they knew. They knew. Oh, um, see, I, I would have given yeah, them some grace, yeah. <laughs> but if they knew, no, there's I'll... no, there's been so many situations of no grace. So uh, many. And that's why I would want to get at where how can we show our fellow man and woman some grace in this area and to also be sensitive to the fact that, I mean, do you know the statistic of how often this happens? Like one of X amount of, for one of X amount of people, you said it was 50 male, 50% female. Like what's the statistic? Hmm. I used to know because I used to track that a lot more. In the last few years, I've really been able to, God's really been able to help me let go mm. of mm. the obsession on this journey. So I really don't focus my life on that as much anymore. Okay. Yeah. Um, that sounds good. healthy. So yeah. You have to look. I'm not sure. No, it's okay. I know it's it changes, fine. But sure. Yeah, sorry. Okay. But throughout this, I guess kind of going back to the faith and the community aspect, how was your faith impacted by this whole journey? Now that I'm on this side and I'm not saying I don't have days when I'm not devastated because they still come sure but they come less frequently than they did those first 10 years mm. um, it's been an amazing wonderful journey of my faith um, be, you know it's like that severe mercy in mm. a way um, because God you have you know either you lean into God or you don't mm-hmm. when yeah. things, bad things happen right and so I, had, I leaned, uh, and I'm not saying, I mean, I'm not, there were times when I couldn't go to church, and I still don't go to church on Mother's Day or Father's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I got to be honest, I still don't go to baby showers. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely times when it wasn't helpful for me to be in church when I just kind of had to work it out with God. Yeah. Um, in times where I really didn't want to talk with him about it or I was angry, you know, just kind of like any relationship. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but overall, like, it really helped me to lean into just seeking God's will every day mm-hmm. and and every day trying to give up my own will and find out what does he have for me? What's the great adventure he has me on? And if it doesn't include kids, like, that's okay. I'm not going to get to the pearly gates of heaven, mm. and God's not going to say to me, so why didn't you have kids? Yeah. yeah. He's not going to judge me on my fertility. He's not going to judge right. me and my husband on our fertility or mm-hmm. <laughs> on how many offspring we brought. Right. <laughs> He's going to judge me on my holiness and how how did I seek him? How did I seek him? And did I how did I do as well? And yeah. how did I come to him every day? That's good. So, is there, and I'm not, it sounds simple, but it's not. Of course yeah. it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Especially when, I mean, it, it seems like even though you know that God is not judging you on that, 
when you feel like you're surrounded by a community that does judge you on that, because, or not even in the church community, but like, like my friends that have a lot of kids, they feel really judged when they just take their family to the store, you know, or my friends that don't have a mm-hmm. lot of kids, they feel judged when they take their small family to church and, you know, they yeah. feel like people are like, what are you doing? You know, on all like, sides. Yeah, and, and meanwhile, like nobody knows the whole story of anybody's life. Right. You know, so I think even though knowing in your heart that that's not God's judgment, it's really hard to face that every day Mm -hmm. when you see it in others. Yeah. And I wanted to ask, is there a a verse or a passage or a prayer that you have found to be kind of your life go to verse when you're faced with these doubts and questions and pain like uh, do you have or maybe a few I mean you wouldn't have to read it all but I just Uh wondered if if there was some Um, some passage yes I have more than a few I have like a few journals full (laughs) I'm sure yeah (laughs) I literally do like I I reside on these and I you know I don't have them in front of me but I there's so many and I I post them all over the place. Mm -hmm. I post them in my office. I post them at home in my bathroom mirror. I post them in my car. I keep them in my purse. I have journals full. I do this like little three by five index card Mm. um, ring, you know, with the rings Mm -hmm. on them. That's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, There's like 50 in a pack. And I've kept a lot of those over the years. They're really interesting uh, spiritual indicators of where I was in certain years mm-hmm. of my life during this journey and, and mm-hmm. where I was with God. Um, so, yeah, I'm not giving you a very specific answer other than I sought the Bible and I sought God's word all the time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I would just hang on a verse all day because, just to keep the tears away. Well, that's wonderful. You know, I would just have to that was like my mantra I'd have to just hang on it so I want to ask you why didn't you choose to go the route of IVF and also at any point have you thought about adoption well those are always the top two questions that anybody struggling with this gets and those, I got to be honest with you, they're very natural questions to ask because people just want to know and they want to help. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. deep down, people are not mean. They really do feel for you and they yeah. want to help. But those are questions that are so emotionally mm-hmm. charged. Sure. Yeah. That it can just immediately make you feel defensive or angry or sad yeah. or upset. Right. So I, I think you have to be really close with a person before you want to address that or maybe you know maybe again i'm talking i'm not uh, accusing you guys i'm just saying yeah to let other people know like how you can but it's more of like oh more an open-ended question like what are you know what have you guys what kind of things have you explored so far or how has the journey been for you Mm -hmm. where you're not giving you're not it's almost like you're accusing in a way or it feels Mm -hmm. like Like you aren't doing everything that you could why haven't you done that yeah. yeah. And that there's and you know you were talking about judgment earlier and the judgment around fertility and motherhood and parenthood is so strong. Mm-hmm. Um whether you, even when you have kids there's so much judgment. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly in the church who was, Yes, well any you know what? Yes, I think okay, so wow. particularly mm-hmm. in the church. 
Uh, yes, and like I have a good friend, and they were unable to conceive for a long time, and then they had a beautiful daughter, and then that was it. And they're also Catholic, and she said, you know, she felt for so long this judgment of like, why do you only have one? And she mm-hmm. wanted to like tell these people, like, I'm so grateful for the one I have. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know I could have this one. Yeah. And um, yeah. so, again, like you're saying, people not knowing the whole story and then people also assuming that the only two fixes. See, here's what we, my husband and I, we, I always say about, like, the in vitro adoption question is, like, in vitro and adoption do not cure infertility. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like saying, you know, I want to, I want to have a Snickers bar, but the only thing available is Milky Way and I don't know, um, three musketeers. So I guess I'll just take one of those. Mm-hmm. So I, I know it's kind of a weird analogy. <laughs> <laughs> It's not exactly the the path that it's not what you want. It's not like adopting. It's not the same as having your own child or or artificial insemination. Is not the same thing as it. Like you were saying, like trusting that if God wants me to right. have a child naturally, it will happen. It's not the same. Yeah. And emotionally, just depending yeah, on where because, you fall in the yeah. spectrum of burial method versus you know birth control or you know some people don't believe in mm-hmm. birth control like where you ever you fall on that it also is a very personal question too of like sure yeah, yeah. so I get that yeah yeah because it's kind of like what I'm dealing or you know what people dealing with infertility are dealing with is infertility it's not about just having a kid mm-hmm. yes it's not about just give me a kid like give me a Milky Way give me a Snickers give yeah. me a three months here it's it's like we, especially as women, are just like born with this mm. desire for motherhood. It's pure. It's natural. It's amazing. And and we're born with it at different degrees. You know, mm-hmm. some people more strongly than others. So to kind of have to let that go, because your whole life in our society does this too. Mm. Like, well, you look at any television show, any any advertisement. It's like, well. You know, you find the right person, you get married, and you have a family. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the natural sequence of events. Mm. And you have biological children. That's the normal, natural sequence of events. How many shows do we ever see with adoptive children? Very, very few. How many commercials? Very, very few. Mm. (laughs) I think I've seen one in my life. So you're dealing Mm. with, like, these huge cultural shifts, emotional shifts. Yeah. And so it's not... And the journey is not over. Um, like, when do you and like, how, when do you decide? Okay, we're going to stop trying naturally, and we're going to go to adoption, and we're going to stop trying naturally and go to in vitro. Or, and in vitro brings with it. I've seen se- several of my close friends go down this route. That brings with it a whole nother realm. It, you are plunged into a whole nother realm of this issue when you start going down that road too. You know, I have a very close friend who's shared with me a lot about uh, that road for her. And it's it's not a road I think most people want to choose or are excited about choosing. Do you, um, do you mean, like, it being really complicated in terms of the treatments you have to do to prepare for it and everything like that? Or emotionally? Or 
overall everything, of it? Everything. Everything. Medically, um, physically, it takes a huge toll. Financially, it takes a huge toll. And then emotionally and mentally, it takes a huge mm. toll. Huge toll. And then, you know, depending on where you land spiritually, too, on, on your moral ethic, you know, ethics over, over this, it can take a huge, huge toll. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how many eggs do you leave? And what do you do with those eggs? And um, Right. Who do they belong to? I mean, yeah, the struggle is so multifaceted. And then with adoption, too, I mean, that's, I think that's a thing, too, where you really have to be called to do that. Mm. And again, it's not just like, oh, just give me a kid. Just any kid will do. You know, <laughs> throw me a kid. I just want a kid. Yeah. It's, it's like, oh, I'm in a parent, but in a different way, in a way where I haven't physically bonded with this child in my body, nor my husband. It's a, a, pro- it's a product of something that's outside of us. Nothing wrong with that. Totally amazing adoption. But you have to, that's a different kind of calling. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's, and you know, some, it, some people, like we knew, you know, we talked about it very early on, especially when we started struggling with this. And we were in, thankfully, we were both in complete agreement that this wasn't the kind of calling that we felt God was calling us to. Um, and I'm, I'm actually grateful that we were both on the same page mm-hmm. because I know couples, um, who aren't, and that drives another like huge wedge into the marriage because already you're dealing with struggling with infertility, and then you're dealing with one spouse that does, one spouse that doesn't want adoption. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> because the multifaceted issue of this could, yeah, it's very multifaceted. So it's kind of like I hate when people say, "Well, well, have you ever considered adoption?" Well, no, never. What's that? Right. Tell me about that. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you just do in vitro? It's like, how long do you have? Do you have three hours to, you know, sit down and have coffee with me? Because that's about how long it's going to take for me to explain that. Right. It's yeah. not just I'm going to go pick up a Milky Way when I really wanted a Snickers. Yeah. yeah. I feel the, so. the same way when I'm like, I'm single. And people are like, well, have you thought about becoming a nun? It's like, well, oh my yeah. Why, why is that my only other option? Yeah. First of all, of course yeah. I have. I'm 32 years old. Like, <laughs> you know, and yeah, it's like if, if I could just choose to do something and do it, then I would have. Like, why would? Why would I be doing anything else? You know. Um, yeah, but and that's such a calling. That is such a different right. calling. Like, <laughs> right, yeah, right. it's wonderful. So the same, yeah, yeah. yeah. The same thing with adoption or even in vitro. Yeah, you really have to be called down those paths to do yeah. that. Um, because again, you, you and also like you really have to seek God's will first. Like, yeah, it's not just about well we're going to do this because that's what the medical community says. And let me tell you, I've had lots of doctors pressure me in to in vitro. Mm. Um, and yeah, you, it's, it's a calling. <laughs> like you got to know, you got to be a hundred percent lockstep with your spouse and God that this is, this is the route for you. Yeah. Um, talking about adoption, that's one of the things I really love about the show. This is us. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen it. I love it. But because it's about, about well, I'm sorry about this is us, the show. 
on NBC. Oh, I haven't seen. I can't get myself to watch that. It'd be oh. too emotional for me. It might be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it probably it would is. be too emotional because it's... I already I cry basically every episode. I cry every episode. <laughs> but but what I love about it is because it's about a couple that they they're pregnant with triplets and then one dies and they adopt a baby that happens to be dropped off at the hospital that day. Um, so they're. Mm-hmm. raising these triplets, but yeah. they don't shy away from how hard the adoption process is. I mean, on the surface, That's you would awesome. think like, oh, you know, this is obviously like a really beautiful story, but they delve into all of the complications. Yeah. And, oh, I and love that. there are so okay. many, you know, like the complications with the birth family and the complications with like the the third child's a different race and like how do you do that and then the mother doesn't feel really bonded to him and then he's just different he you know his friends are different and he's i mean it's just like and they tell the story throughout through vignettes throughout childhood and show like really wonderful how it goes into adulthood so i believe you That's I mean, cool. And it showed I, me a lot yeah. of a lot of ways in which it can be really, really complicated that I've never thought about before. Well, when you were talking about the uh, Snicker Bar versus like the Milky Way, one of the things they deal with early on. So this is not spoilers or anything, but they, you know, the wife is is grieving her her third child. But then the husband comes in and is like, "Hey, let's adopt this." And then they have to come to terms with like talking about how. Mm-hmm. You know, the dad wasn't trying to just replace his child, although that's how it felt to the to the wife. And so it's like they have to talk about these issues that, you know, are coming across like in the way that the dad was trying to love and adopt this third this other baby, but like the the mom was still trying to grieve and but he was grieving too, but just in his own way. So it's mm-hmm. like talking about those issues and how we all have different perspectives and all, how we're all trying to deal with it in our own way. Wow. That's amazing. I, I applaud those writers. Um, being a writer, I applaud those writers for doing that because that's amazing. Maybe I'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is emotional. It though. is emotional. We're just warning it you. Just, yeah, especially the, I, the I first know, episode. You're I, just I, like I cry at the commercials. I'm like, I don't think I can watch this show. Like, give me some, give me some comedy. I can't watch this show. <laughs> Maybe ten minutes at a time. Uh, yeah, Seinfeld t- episode in, in between. <laughs> In the middle of the day. Like, yeah, when night. the sun's out. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually how I watch it. <laughs> it's like I can't handle this. Yeah, watching it at night is too much for me. Um, so can we uh, go a little bit more, uh, talk a little bit more about what are some do's and don'ts for people in the community when we're when we have friends or neighbors or people that we know that yeah. are dealing with this? Yeah. Yeah. Again, like just to preface this by saying, you know, every woman slash couple is going to have a different range of how they're dealing with this. Mm -hmm. Kind of like what you just explained on, you know, the this is us. So I can kind of only speak from what's rubbed me the wrong way. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I guess, and I've kind of hinted at some of them is like, if there's a, you know, don't ask those direct questions of, well, have you thought of adoption? Well, are you going to do in vitro? Like, yeah. Allow the, you know, ask a more open-ended. So, wow, I'm sorry to hear about that. What kind of, you know, what kinds of things have you explored so far? And, and also, how can I help you on this journey? Yeah. Because people, will people clam up quickly. Like when people, and uh, and always one of the first questions when you're meeting somebody new. 
oh, you know, this, how are you? Oh, do you have kids? It's like literally one of the first three questions they ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess I, I always appreciate when people don't ask me if I have kids. Mm. And I don't know how you really stop that because you're meeting strangers, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Unless you just like, expect it to come up in conversation naturally. Because yeah. usually What's it that? will. Unless you just expect it to come up in conversation naturally. Like usually if people have kids, it will yeah. come up in conversation. So, yeah. 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 And I guess if you're on the other end of that and you do, you know, you do ask because it's normal when they say, no, we don't, don't press because yeah. I've had people press me on it. And I'm yeah. like, it's really none of your business. Right. And just because I don't have kids doesn't mean I'm any less. And I don't want to go into a whole explanation about right. Right. <laughs> why I'm not adopting or having in vitro when I met, literally met you two minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. When we're like at a picnic or. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess, again, going back to just, you know, how can I support you on this journey? And one of the things I've really appreciated is just when people are like, oh, I, you know, I'm sorry to hear about that. I'll pray. I will pray for you. I'll pray about Mm -hmm. that. I do appreciate the prayers a lot. Practically, too, another thing is I just can't go to baby showers. Like, Mm -hmm. that is... Yeah. really torturous for me. Yeah. And so most of my friends and family really understand this. I would say by and large, 98% of them totally get this. I mean, of course, I'll send a gift. I send well wishes, you know, when the baby's born, I send cards. Of course, I'm not, I'm not, not acknowledging it, but to actually sit through a baby shower is really challenging yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. It's not the same for everybody going sure. through this, but for for me, it has been. Don't and also, I hate it when people don't invite me to a baby shower. So it's kind of it's kind of like that was my next know. question. It's like if I know yeah. you and I know that you don't like this, I, I still Please do. Yeah, like, like acknowledge that I still want to invite you to acknowledge that I care about you, yeah. our relationship, but I won't be offended when yeah. you RSVP no. <laughs> right, exactly. Because it's like it's not that I don't want to be a part of your life. It's not that I, I'm not yeah. happy for you. I'm ecstatic. I'm thrilled. I can't wait to meet the baby, etc. Yeah. But personally, I will fall apart at your baby shower and ruin it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but then not to, so it's almost like a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it probably looks like that from the outside. But, but I have had a couple of friends who got really mad at me that I didn't come to their baby shower, even though they knew the situation. Ugh, and tough. they just were really upset that, and I'm like, I'm sorry, but you're not respecting where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, so I think that, I don't know, those have been a couple of things in my life that have been, I, I've just, I've really appreciated when people just out of the blue will, Hey, I've been thinking about you and I'm still praying for you. Like after all these years, I'm still praying for you. Mm, I'm that's still wonderful. hoping, you know, do you yeah. find that sometimes encouragement can be like a double edged sword like, I don't know, I experienced this kind of in my life as a single person. I don't know if it translates to, but I love people be like, oh, well, it, it'll happen. Just pray and it'll happen. And it'll happen when you yeah. least expect it and God will come through. Does, yeah. it, is that, does that happen yeah. for you? It has happened, definitely. And mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's like, I know what you mean. It is really double-edged. And I'll just say, you know, I, I hope you're right but that's something we'll ask God when we get to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> right. I wish I knew. I wish I knew the answer too, but I don't. And I appreciate your support and your prayers. And I kind of just let them 
say that because, yeah, it's almost like it's something they want to believe as well. And of course, we all want to believe it. But then I then some of my close, close friends, I'll say, but you know what? It may not happen. Yeah. And it doesn't look like it is going to happen. So, you know, pray that I just am able to accept that as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, do you have, would you have any words of encouragement for other couples that might be going through this? There are a lot of great resources to help you explore what is going on with you. And I would just encourage people to just keep exploring and keep trying. Mm you know, on the physical side of things, mm. just really keep exploring and trying to to get to the bottom of it. And then just keep in communication with each other. Because I think that can be the worst too. There's definitely been times where my husband and I are on different pages in terms emotionally, like we're all, we've all, thankfully we've always been on the same page in terms of how to proceed. Mm-hmm. And we always keep the communication lines open, like, okay, should we do this thing? Should we see this doctor? Should mm-hmm. we do this? You know, um, but emotionally, you know, men and women are very different. And don't be afraid to just, it's okay when you're not emotionally on the same level. And I always tell people to, like, it's okay to reach out for support where you need it. I had to reach out a lot more for support for my close friends and family than my husband did. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in a way, it probably was good for him because he didn't have to bear so much of that. Because honestly, like he didn't always know how to deal with my sadness and depression and anxiety and all the other emotions coming along with it. Um, and you know, every couple is going to be a little different, but I think just keeping those lines of communication open and that way, you know, know, those checkpoints where you can, okay, we're going to do this. And then when we get to here, we're going to evaluate and see what we want to do. Like don't have the whole journey and everything figured out right away. Just Mm -hmm. take it step by step. Mm. That's good. That's great. Yeah. Well, I think that that's a pretty good place to wrap up. Yeah. I really appreciate your openness. And I know it has not been, obviously, an easy thing, especially it's been a long time. But for you to open up to us and allow us to share your story to whoever might be listening, I think it will help somebody realize that, one, they're not alone, and, two, that there is always hope in in some fashion it may not be the exact thing that they're looking for at what the you time, think it'll look like or what it, you think it'll look like but mm-hmm. i imagine that yeah. along the way you've probably run into some amazing people some some pretty non-amazing people as well but on the flip side <laughs> some, some people that you have yeah. really i'm sure have clung to and have known that like wow i'm really loved and you and your have loved you and your husband through this and i, I bet that has been bittersweet yes but i'm sure that has felt good to know that you have support and you have community and people that care about you in this way that are praying for you yeah absolutely yeah absolutely i can say absolutely every step of the way we've had support and god has brought us exactly the right people we needed and the right friendships and that's wonderful um, 
And, you know, just like there's been such a huge blessing in our marriage because we have such a deep marriage because of this mm, now. And of course, because we if we don't have kids, we live an adventurous life. You're right. <laughs> sure. Cool. Yeah. Like we can just be in bless so many people's lives and be in so many people's lives if we want and do things and yeah. not selfishly. I'm not talking like selfishly or anything, but just be available, be pleasant sure. to people, which I think is a really great gift in this culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think so. To be present for people. It's lovely. Yeah. Was, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for my beautiful life. I'm just so grateful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's such a great note to end on. That is, yeah. yeah. And it's such a good reminder because yeah. even if your life doesn't look like the Wait. way you thought it would, you can still be just overwhelmed with gratitude mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, Although Jennifer, I am. I really, really am. And I hope others will be too. It's, it takes a while <laughs> to get there sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all have to go through our own journey. You know, there's always the ups and downs, the valleys and the peaks. But in the end, I think, you know, you will find your your, your place among your community. And I think that that's a good place to be, yeah. you know, to know where you are exactly where God wants you. Um, and to, to embrace all the blessings that he has given you in, in kind of roundabout ways, maybe, but nonetheless blessings yeah. still. So thank and you. And also to know Definitely. that you're, you're, you're pursuing his will. Yes, well, so. absolutely. Yeah. To be conformed to, to oh, his sorry, will. I didn't catch the I didn't catch the last part. Oh, and also the piece that comes with following God's will. Oh, such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, maybe to leave on this too, it's just that despite all of this, like times of desolation and consolation, the roller coaster of this ride Mm. for the past 16, almost 16 years, um, the peace has always been there. Always. Mm. That's encouraging. That's wonderful. I love hearing that. I mean, it doesn't mean that I don't. Yeah, I mean, doesn't mean you don't have days when you just break down, or sure. maybe weeks or months when you break sure. down. Sure, yeah, yeah, sure. But the peace of knowing that you are in God's will. Mm. So as you're going through this, always seeking what is God's will for our fertility and for our family, mm. for us as a couple. That really is grounding. That's really beautiful. grounding. Mm. So that's a good word. Well, Jennifer Dornbush. Thank you so much you. for participating yeah. in this. Ladies. <laughs> you guys are doing beautiful work. Continue. Oh, thank, oh, you. thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you for listening to our podcast. This has been another episode of Fishers of Men. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please email us at fishersofmenpodcast at gmail.com or find us on our website at fishersofmenpodcast.com. We are also on Facebook under Fishers of Men. Follow us on Twitter at at LA Gone Fishing or on Instagram at Fishers of Men Podcast. There is an underscore after each word. Please also remember to rate and make comments on iTunes if you feel so inclined. It's really important so that other people can discover our podcast. I'm Larson Mary Sams. I'm Mary Asher Burton. Until next time, keep swimming.